couple of people just this last week praying for their children that are going through a different, difficult time. And I just feel like the Holy Spirit wants us to lift up our children right now to the Lord. Unsaved loved ones, all of them. I, I know, I know some in this room, I know, I know others. But children, close relatives, dear friends, whatever they be, that you know need to be in the kingdom and are fighting it. Know anybody that's that way? They need to be in the kingdom and they're fighting it. We're just going to believe right now in the name of Jesus that there is no wall that he's not going to kick down in their lives. There's no mountain he's going to cross. There's no valley he's going to go through. He's going to get to them. Father, in the name of Jesus, we don't need to name them right now because you know their names. And right now, we know, Father, the seed that has been planted in them. We know the seed is there. We know that your spirit is there watering that seed. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to each one of them in our hearts. We command that in Jesus' name to begin to turn their eyes to you, Father God. That hopelessness will find hope in you. That lostness will find direction in you. That as the Holy Spirit begins to kick down walls, breaks down walls, that your spirit will invade those hearts right now. In Jesus' name. We ask, Father, that you would send laborers to them. Lord of the harvest, send laborers to them. Father, you're going to begin to speak to them from the weirdest places, the weirdest sources. You're going to speak to them from children. You're going to speak to them from co-workers. Out of the blue, people are going to start talking to them and plant more seed and water the seed that's there. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We receive it. Everybody say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Give him one last praise. Hallelujah. But we see the reckless love that Jesus poured out on the cross, how he poured himself out so incredibly. We know that that love is in their hearts right now, and in our hearts too. Some of you may be saying, you know what, Pastor, I need that prayer just like everybody else, and I think we all do. But I, I believe the challenge for us in these last days is to let the Holy Spirit kick down all those walls inside yes. us, right? Knock them down, knock them down, knock them down. And, and how many know that's a pleasant experience, isn't it? It hurts sometimes. That's the old saying, the truth hurts. It hurts. But we need to allow the Holy Spirit to break those things down in us and purge us. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We want to remember... Uh, Thankfully, hallelujah, we see, as I mentioned, folks are coming back that have not been doing well. We remember Lester in prayer still, and, and Sandy's mom in prayer as well, uh, and, and others. And, of course, good to see Aunt Paul and Sandy back there.
have uh, Brother Grani going to share the word today, and I know you'll be challenged. And he already said he wants, he feels the Holy Spirit wants to just open the altar at the end. He wants to pray over her, wants to come down, just pray over you and bless you in this time. Father, we thank you so much, and we can give back to you what you've so abundantly given to us. It's just a small token, small portion. For some of us, it's a widow's might. For others, it's more. But we know that you're going to bless this offering. You're going to multiply it. You're going to use it for the furtherance of your kingdom. And it's going to reach out and touch lives. Bless the gift to give in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And as they give, Brother David, why don't you come? And uh, this is David and Julie Brandy. Many of you know them. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Glenn Hickman said uh, before church, he says, he looks really familiar. And I said, oh, he's been around here a long time. And uh, I said, he was in the mob for a number of years, too. So <laughs> maybe you remember from there. I don't know. <laughs> Do you want this one? Uh, handheld wireless. Is there one? Thing? Oh, right beside right there.
at a charismatic meeting where a Catholic priest God was using invited the sinner to get saved. And the Saturday night before that, Saturday night, November the 20th, Pastor Ron, I was poking football and drinking. That's right. But uh, Sunday night, November the 21st, that was the last drink I ever had. And the last time I ever bet or took a bet on the game. That's right. God cleaned me up in 24 hours. So with that in mind, I just want you to know that I will never turn back. After 40 years of serving the Lord, I'm not about to change. I look at it this way. If you like me, okay. If you don't, that's your problem. God bless you this morning. As we look to the Word of God, Daniel chapter 3, we all know the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, I just want to share with you that persecution comes in many forms, not just physical. Somebody out there may be lying about you, calling you names, hating you, family and friends, disown you. We've experienced that. And they just keep, keep on not liking you anymore. So persecution comes not only in the physical form, but also in a mental form. There is physical uh, persecution, yes. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I must have preached this message at least 40 times, maybe more. But it's revised right now. And I looked at it again, and I said, I never knew that. I never seen that before, so please bear with me. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would take over. Take over this service, take over our minds, take over our bodies, just take over. Amen. Well, in Daniel chapter 3, we know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused, refused to bow down to some statue. You see, because even though they were the king's pets, they were administrators in the kingdom of Babylon. They had an open door to the king. They sat at the king's table and had the best of everything. King Nebuchadnezzar loved these guys. But when it came time to stand up for what was right, they refused all the good things that the king had given them. All the gifts and all the rewards that Nebuchadnezzar gave them Basically, what they said, you can keep them all, but we refuse to bow down to some statue who can't hear, can't speak, can't see, can't move. We serve a living God, and little did any of them know that God was about to deliver them in a miraculous deliverance that no one really expected. In the midst was the Son, the pre-incarnate Christ, in the furnace waiting for them. Let's look at verse 16. Shadrach and Meshach and go. said to the king, we don't even need to give you an answer concerning this matter. Don't you know this by now? We don't 
for me to answer such a ridiculous question or obey such a ridiculous demand. That we're going to bow down to you, a statue that you made because you think you're a god. Our God, in verse 17, the Bible says that he is able to deliver us. Everyone in this room, write these words down anywhere, in your mind, in your Bibles, anywhere, that God is able. Amen. He has not lost any of his power. His character remains the same. He's the same. The word of God, all 66 books have not changed, not one word. And by the way, this just came to me this morning. Another name for the Bible is what? Good news. I have no, I, there's no interruption in the supply chain. <laughs> there's no interruption in some supply chain. I guarantee you this, you serve the Lord and there'll be no interruption in your life as far as God supplying all your needs. Amen. He said, food, shelter, and clothing you will always have. Amen. Hallelujah. He hasn't failed me in 40 years and he's not about to fail me now. I'm not about, about to turn my back on him after all these years of watching him and taking care of us and, and so on and so on. God is able. And look what it says in verse 18 of Daniel 3. But even if he doesn't, let it be known to you, King Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, this is my own words. Let it be known to everyone else that we're not going to serve your gods nor worship the golden image. Now this golden image, mind you, golden, was 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. It sat on a hilltop where everyone in the kingdom of Babylon could see it. Somebody once gave me a photo, or they got it off the internet somewhere, and I don't get into all that, but it showed this image on the hilltop with hundreds of thousands of people bowing down to it. And in the back of all those people were three young men who stood up. Everyone else was bowing down, Pastor, but everyone else, those three, stood up. And on the top of the hilltop, beneath the statue, was an army that was watching everyone to see who bowed and who didn't. Wow. We've lost many friends, much family, because we just decided to follow Jesus. And for us, it was all or nothing. Turned down family dinners, whatever, but many years ago, probably 40 years ago, the Lord gave my wife a scripture somewhere in Proverbs that it's better to have a dish of vegetables where there's peace rather than a fattened calf where there's hatred. Amen. Stick with it, folks. We're in the last of the last days. Stick with it. Go to him for everything. He'll show you things that you never 
service had an open invitation to the king. You can check that out in chapter 1 of Daniel, verse 19. They were in the king's favor. Daniel was promoted in chapter 2. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, under the guidance of Daniel, became administrators of the province of Babylon. They had it made. I said they had it made. And I'm going to tell you, I never knew about a spiritual attack until the day I got saved. Because you see, back in the world, if somebody attacks you, you would attack them back worse. Nobody would mess with certain people. But when I got saved, it was like, what in the world is going on here? <laughs> the enemy attacking all the time. I'll never forget the Christmas Eve, I'm sorry, New Year's Eve in, uh, in 1981. We were invited to a private house party. And uh, I quit drinking immediately, immediately. And so everybody's mixing drinks, they're giving me this, they're giving me that. Oh, come on, come on, come on. I refuse. I haven't talked to that person since. I mean, I don't know. Do I care? Sometimes. I'm not giving up what God did in my life for some gift that's going to go away. They were a good standing with the king, promoted, living well. But the king of kings was their God. They were not about to bow down and worship some dead image. Once again, he couldn't talk, can't see, can't move. A stupid, stupid God. Why would anyone want to pray or worship something they can't see? They can't move. Can't hear. Can't move. They were not about to compromise their devotion. Now this is very important. They refused to bow down. They refused to worship. Why? First of all, they had such a love for Jehovah God. They didn't have the New Testament, but they had the Ten Commandments. And they studied the Ten Commandments. And the very first commandment that they knew by heart. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt not have any gods before me. No excuse. No excuse. None. Even though they were lavished with gifts, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't buy their devotion. Could not buy it. No salary could buy their worship to a statue. Secondly, they put all of their trust in God. Third, no compromise, no half-truths. No compromise. This is why I, I, I said earlier, there was never a compromise message behind this pulpit that I know of. Never. I've learned so much here. And I'm still learning under Pastor David. You see, with them, there was unwavering commitment to God. Their creator, not Nebuchadnezzar. Their creator. For them, it was all or nothing. They did not have the New Testament, but they knew and understood Deuteronomy chapter 34 and verse 14 in the five books of the Pentateuch under the author of Moses. And it said this, you shall not worship or bow down to any 
God for the Lord whose name is Jealous. Is a jealous God. Let me tell you, bowing down to some God, so called God that can't move or think or see or hear, God gets jealous. He's a jealous God. And in verse 15 of Deuteronomy 34, it says, Do not make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. Whoa. You know, once you start reading the Bible, once you start studying it and, 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 and learning and learning and learning, man, there is nothing like serving God. There's a price to pay. He said, if you deny me, I'll deny you. It's that simple. Once again, they did not have the New Testament, but they had the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, verse 13. You shall fear only the Lord your God, and you shall worship him and him alone. They knew this. They weren't about to compromise that beautiful scripture and say, okay, King, I got you. You're going to take everything off of me. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bow down to you. I mean, you're going to take our, our, our home that you gave us. You're going to take the gifts. You're going to take uh, sitting at your, at your table. You're going to take away our, our, our pride. You're going to take away our power in the, in the kingdom of that one. You're going to take it all away. So what we're going to do is we'll just bow down to you. No, 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 no. Babylon was filled with other gods. As Pastor David preached a few weeks ago, filled so many. And this is what led Nebuchadnezzar to set up his own image. He considered himself like a god. And Deuteronomy 6, once again, verse 15, For the Lord your God is in the midst of you. Now that's a very important word we're going to get to uh, in the New Testament. He is in the midst of you. They knew and understood Psalm 2, verse 11. Worship the Lord your God and rejoice. They would in no way permit current events to dictate their commitment to God. They stood up for truth no matter what. They stood up for the word of God. They didn't compromise it. Current events did not dictate their life. Current events did not prosper them. We are facing current events. But once again, there's no supply chain interruption for the people of God. Take it to the bank. God is able, was their reply. Their love and devotion and trust and commitment in God Almighty. Not half-hearted relationship. Not serving God on Sunday and doing whatever you want to do on Monday. No, no, no. That doesn't work that way. There was no half-hearted commitment. Their reply was, God is able. They were thrown into the furnace. All tied up. All tied like they were really going somewhere. I mean, they had cars all around them. They tied them up, tied their legs, tied their hands. I mean, where were they going? <laughs> Threw them into the midst of the furnace. Once again, that word midst is very important. But you see in verse 25 of Daniel 3, someone else was already there. You're not facing any trial or any test of your life, but the Holy Spirit is not already there. You're not going to the hospital for an operation because, you see, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit is always already there. You're not alone in your hospital room when you're in your home ill. God is already there. 
that was already there waiting for them. Who was it? We know the pre-incarnate Christ, the one and only Messiah with a miraculous deliverance. What a miracle of deliverance. What a miracle. Can you imagine? Thrown into a furnace. It wasn't like the furnaces we know. It was a pit. A deep hole in the ground where they just threw him in. That's why Nebuchadnezzar can look and say, hey, there's somebody else in there. God is able with their reply. And what a miracle. Jesus, the pre-incarnate Christ, was already there.
You see, the church today, we as individuals and corporately, we are the very pillar of truth in the lost and dying world. We are upholding the word of God without any smell of compromise. I cannot change. I cannot calm down. I can't do it. I can't become a polished preacher with degrees hanging on my office wall. Nothing wrong with that. But every book that I've read and every book that Pastor David and I read the same books, I can't remember what I read. I mean, we had to, to read books, you know, and then take a test. I can't remember them books, Pastor. I can't, I can't remember them. Truth, God's Word, is what forbade Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego about that. Truth. Persecution, I said earlier, can come in many forms. Losing family, friends. However, your trust and love for God will deliver you. Just like he did. Shadrach, Meshach, and Emmanuel. I love it. I love it when he says, in this world you will have tribulations. People won't like that promise. They don't like that promise. It's a promise and it ends in a period. That means so be it. In the New Testament, I'm going to move into Matthew chapter 16. I'm going to close soon. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus asked two questions. Who do the people say that I am? Well, some say you're John the Baptist. Now, this is the answer that his disciples gave him. After three years of walking with him, he just fed 4,000, just fed 5,000. I mean, he just walked on the water to him. And they said, uh, who do the people say that I am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Jer Jeremiah, some one of the prophets. Who do the people say that I am? Oh, some congressman, some senator, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Jesus said, as if to say, well, I can understand their answer because you see, they don't know me. They're the common people. But the church, the born-again church, is not a common folk. We are peculiar. We're not common. We were common, but not anymore. So Jesus pressed them again and asked them another question. Okay, well, who do you say that I am? This is my own words, okay? You got 12 guys standing around. Shall not prevail or overpower my church. 
this church or any other Bible preaching church. Shall not prevail. Let me just give you a, a short definition of what that means, if I may. Jesus said that the, the gates of hell shall not prevail, which means this. The gates of hell shall not be superior against my church. The gates of hell shall not be greater than my church. The gates of hell shall not surpass my church. The gates of hell shall not compare to my church. The gates of hell shall not influence my church. The gates of hell, no demon shall have a say in my church. Hell cannot rule my church, cannot have authority over my church, cannot override my church, cannot persuade my church. The gates of hell shall not sway my church from the truth. Shall have no input at all in my church. There is much opposition today. People hate you stand for. Don't think they don't. They hate the Bible. They hate anyone who preaches the Bible. They hate anyone who follows Christ. Once again, there's no supply chain interruption, folks. Enjoy your day. The gates of hell shall not govern my church or try to straighten out my church. They shall not even try to make straight or steer my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail. Hallelujah, shall not prevail. Let me just give you a short, very short explanation of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. The church of Thessalonica. Paul writes to the second to the Thessalonians, the church that he birthed. And he said to them in verse 4, he says this. I'm going all around the region boasting about you. I'm telling everybody about you. Not because they got a church of a thousand. Not because they have a hundred missionaries. Not because, not because of some uh, apostle or prophet that came into town. He says, I boast about you because you're enduring persecution. And your faith in Jesus is going out all over the place. That's what he was boasting about. Interesting note that the church of Thessalonica is not even mentioned as part of the seven churches in Revelation. Ephesus, Smyrna, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Pergamon, and Laodicea. Where's Thessalonica? Not even mentioned. Why? Because they're enduring persecution and standing up for what's right. Standing up to the truth of, all, of the word of God. Hallelujah. And in closing, I want to say this in Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three are gathered, you know, you know it well, you prayed it well. <laughs> you were in prayer circles and you prayed this scripture. I know you have. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, where is he? He's in the midst. So let me give you another translation coming out of the message. The message Bible translation, the same verse. And when two of you get together on anything... At all. At all. On earth. And make it a prayer. 
firstborn, forerunner, friend. I'm God. I'm the great high priest. I'm the great shepherd. I'm the guardian. I'm the head of the church. I'm the healer of the Holy One. I'm hope. I'm the horn of your salvation. I'm your husband. I am the I am. I'm Emmanuel. I'm indescribable. My name is Jesus. My name is Judge. I'm the king. I'm the king of glory. I'm the king of kings. I'm the Lamb of God. I'm the leader. I'm life. Life. Lily of the valley. I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm the living stone. My name is Lord. I'm Lord of Lords. I'm the majestic one. I'm the man of sorrows. I'm your mediator. I'm your messenger. I'm your Messiah. I'm your mighty God. And I am your bright morning star. Where else are you going to go? Who are you going to trust? Supply chain? What a joke. What a joke.